Welcome to Mindful Social, the show that intersects mindfulness and emotional intelligence with the hectic online world we live in today. This week I have an old dear friend, Brian Kramer, because we go back quite a ways from marketing days through leadership, through living in the same neighborhood, basically. And so it's been good to know Brian over the years and see some things change too. So welcome, Brian. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. And thanks for having me. I, we certainly do. It, internet years normally aren't that long, but I think we've known each other longer than, than you would say internet years now. So that's pretty good that we can say that. Yeah. Yeah. And dog years too. So I don't know. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so you wrote a great book, two great books about social media. And one of them is human to human. And it's been really interesting over the years to see how social media has gone from community and the original start where we were all kind of hanging out and talking to each other and it was really tight to a marketing tool. And now I'm kind of seeing a shift back to people actually wanting to communicate with each other. So I know that you have been really going through a lot of changes in your business and personally as well. So can you tell us a little bit about where you're at with that? Well, there's a whole bunch of, of things in there that I could, I could cover. Um, first and foremost, the, uh, the changes I think that you're talking about um, really um, are the, is the move from owning an agency to um, well, to not owning an agency <laughs> and, um, and the differences of um you know, some of the changes that have happened both in my career and outside of, um, outside of work. And, you know, I've just really found a, a lot more of a peaceful place to sound a little bit more, um, <laughs> Zen-like, um, a, a much happier and joyful place mm -hmm. than what I knew, didn't know I needed when I was in the agency world. And, um, there's a lot of, dare I say the word hustle, um, hate that word, <laughs> but that word I think exists in the agency world mm -hmm. because you have to keep up and you're always looking for the next piece of business. And we did some great work over 17 years and had some fun and we had some killer campaigns and work with some great people, but the chase was, was not healthy. Um, over time. Mm -hmm. And eventually the chase burned me out. And I got, um, I got to a place where I didn't know that I needed to get out. And I looked at my wife, who was co-owner of the agency. And we said, this is, this is enough. We've had it and we're walking out. So we did, we transitioned the whole agency uh, into a, a you know, packages for everyone and a way to of some sort work on some levels for everyone. So nobody was left on the street as, as best as we could do. And, and then for the next six months, we transitioned out of the business, um, fulfilling all the contracts we could. And, um, and then we kind of, we took the rest of that year and rediscovered what we wanted to do, which was ironic. We didn't actually exit with a plan because mm -hmm. I, my whole life has been built around the plan. <laughs> Up How until did that now. feel? 
that was that was scary mm. and freeing it felt like like i hadn't had a summer break in elementary years. school <laughs> yeah or longer in my you know whole career mm. uh so that was the first time and not that i could take a summer break at that point because i had a lot of obligations but it felt like it felt like somebody was pushing down on my shoulders and they had just lifted their their hands up mm. and let my shoulders come back up um and just i was just like not in a stressful way but just a release and um and then it took some time to just rediscover what we wanted to do and part of that was following my urge to integrate with leadership and really understand what um what what leadership could do with marketing and how the two of those together could really help and so i really found a lot of um a lot of joy in working with individuals one on one i'd really missed that and so i started to work with with individuals and coaching them and now i'm a full time coach Mm. Uh, coach and and speaker and i and i love it it's some of the most incredible work i've i've done and 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 it's true what they say if you love what you do it's not work because i don't feel like it's laborious at all i i look forward to it i get on a call i'm pumped and then i get off and i'm even more jazzed up and so it's kind of it helps me just as much as it helps them i think yeah, it feels really great when you can actually help somebody make a difference and and really feel that. You get that and that's a, that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize about teaching and also about coaching that it's a two-way street. We both get something from that transaction. And um it's pretty it's pretty cool. Very so cool. You went into yeah. a coaching program? I went through a leadership program with Coaches Training Institute, which is actually where it's funny how things collide and happen when you need them to. Um, Courtney is now their he uh, global head of marketing. Mm. And when she moved into that position as part of the, as part of the deal, we were able to um, secure some spots and, and start going through the, their program. Mm. And um, I, I was it just came along at a, the right time. And it was one of those things where I knew nothing about it. And I just said, yes, I was signing up for something that I had no idea what I was getting into, but it just sounded amazing. So I signed up and that, and it was, it was both amazing and, uh, and, and really shook my, my, I guess my spirit in some way, it really gave me kind of a new sense of understanding what I wanted, where I was going and made me look at myself the way that that we need to be you know always looking at ourselves and also how i could help others look at themselves mm. so it's a really cool process what do you think was the most impactful thing through that whole process for you personally the most is hard <laughs> uh because it's a lot of little things that amounts to a big thing which is just a transformation. I would say uh, there that I would I would cover it in a couple words by saying that I regain trust in others, more trust in others, that I understood 
more around what it means to to what intimacy means mm. and how to reclaim um and have more intimacy with others and i don't mean physical relations i mean actual like intimate deeper closer relationships mm-hmm. uh i would also say that it allowed me to then explore the many sides of me you know the multidimensional side of of me and see how and just play with that and just kind of be with that at each each step and see what what comes out of it and then be able to use that in in other situations so that it wasn't just a one one dimensional you know person of who i am it, it's and we all are um right. But yet we, you know, hide those side of, sides of ourselves. So how do we bring those things out? Mm. Um, those are just a few. I can keep, I can keep going for another hour on that. That kind of self-awareness that, well, you could call it a self-awakening to some extent, um, you know, where we suddenly become aware of the way that we work with other people and the way that we're actually looking at ourselves, I think is really one of the breakthroughs that that I had as well. And it's really something that when you're coaching, you see people go have those aha moments. And it's such a rarity now for people. And I think, you know, even more in leadership where we see people who tend to be really guarded, you know, and they don't want to talk to their employees. They don't want to engage with their employees. They're just here to do a job. And can we put that wall up? Um, how do we get to change that in leadership with the way that the world is working right now? How are we going to enact that change? Yeah. Well, yes, we've closed. We've, we've made it so that we're, we're closed on listening. Uh, there's that when you say something, there are so many different words, I think, in our language, in the English language that don't actually mean what, what, they, what they're supposed to mean. Like, like, how are you? Um, Fine. You know, so, yeah, the, the, the true definition of that is actually finding out how someone's doing. Mm-hmm. But the response is totally different nine times out of 10 because it's not, it means something different today than, than maybe it once did. And there are dozens of reasons why we've, we've lowered ourselves to short, shorter talk times and, and less meaningful conversations and the inability to get closer to people so that you understand the context of where they're coming from, not, and not to drink my own champagne, but it, we put technology in the middle mm-hmm. in most cases. So the gosh, that makes it even harder to get to know people and talk with them. And so we've created our own, our own dilemma. And now I think it's time to actually undo what we've done and fix that mess of, of where, what we've made and where it's going. Cause it's, it's getting, it's getting harder. It's going to get even harder. Just on the marketing side, we're automating more, not less. And when I say we, not me, <laughs> others in air quotes, you know, there's augmented reality and virtual reality and machine learning and all these things out there that are going to get worse uh, before, before it gets better. However, there's also a lack of trust and that lack of trust is growing bigger too at the same time. 
Mm. And doesn't that lack of trust come from the automation to some extent? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Lack of trust in everything, in life, in business. Uh, lack of trust in who's actually on the other end of that email, that this email that just came through is really meaningful or is it really somebody that I want to engage with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, we see a lot more automation across social media altogether. But I think the AI part is really interesting because, sure, you can use AI in a positive way. You can use it to identify and to kind of understand what people are talking about and what their overall personality is about. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to the conversation. And if you're not approaching the conversation with an open heart and an open mind and willing to listen, then it's yet another discovery call. (laughs) You know, when I work with most people and they, the first thing they do is, is look at marketing. Like, oh, I got to build a website. I need to build my email newsletters. I need to start getting business cards. I need to, and these are for the people that are just starting businesses. For even people that are wondering, how do I get more business? There's, they're thinking, oh, well, I need to build a, a funnel or an email campaign mm-hmm. and an offer and a lead magnet and a tripwire and like all these things. And it's funny because these things, I know you know this too, because we've had these conversations are long-term solutions, not short-term solutions. And so when someone gets that new website up and they go, okay, my site's up, I should be doing pretty well by now. Uh, where's all the leads? Yeah. Or I built a campaign or I built a funnel. Why aren't, why aren't they converting? Where are all the people? They're not coming into my campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it takes time and perseverance and testing and the right audience and making sure that it all works. And it's not like every other internet marketer out there says it actually doesn't work right away. (laughs) It does take, you can shortcut things by hiring somebody to help you, but, uh, but it still is something that takes time. And, and you, if you want to really shortcut it, you want a big shortcut, call people. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Actually pick up the phone and call people. That's Mm. the shortcut. Actually make a list of everyone you know and reach out to them and use the phone app. I know it's crazy, but use the phone app and actually dial their phone number Mm -hmm. and watch the magic unfold and still work on your marketing, but the marketing will come through later. That's Mm -hmm. the later stuff. It's, and and I think right now people are confusing sales and marketing with what, what really needs to happen. Yeah. And I think there's, everybody thought there was an easy button 10, 15 years ago, and there wasn't then, and there still isn't. But now people look at all the automation and they go, well, that's just all going to drive people to me. And then they sit there and they look at their computers and they don't pick up the phone and they don't, you know, I said that I always do the podcast on Zoom because I want to look at the person I'm talking to. I think we have much better conversations when we're looking face to face. And we can see that there's another human there. That it's not, you know, Eva or something like that. Um, they're still looking for automation because everybody wants volume. And in the end, I don't think volume is the answer to actually getting business done. 
Yeah, I haven't seen a business that has produced volume quickly that stayed on top. Mm. Um, it's the businesses that struggle the most and find their their niche or their groove and understand that and and learn over time and then find find it understand it work it again find it understand it work it again and eventually grow into a company that can sustain itself mm-hmm. um but the companies that that hit a gold mine the outliers are so few and far between and even if you're a big company right now and you think you know that that you're going to get the masses you're not they're looking at 1% if that changes in their their companies you know the IBMs and Apples and all of those companies are, they're not looking for major shifts. They're looking for minor shifts that make major differences. Mm -hmm. So no matter what size, no matter what budget, no matter what, who you are, it's all, it really is all about the small shift, not the big shift. Yeah. I heard that a little differently, but I'm going to stick with that. (laughs) Um, How did you hear it differently? I heard it's, it's all about the small shit and it is, Oh, it really is. Cause it's the, it's the little and things that, that really matter. And that too. Yeah. You know? And um, IBM's 1% and my 1% are completely different animals. But if right. you really look at it, um, like you said, the people who are struggling and actually testing and, and trying new things, reaching out, it didn't work. Okay. I'm going to try a different thing and having conversations. Very, yeah. very different. So how do we teach leadership? to stop pushing for metrics instead of relationships and start pushing for relationships. Well, I don't think that that's going to be possible. I think metrics will always be just as important as relationships. I think it's a, it's, it's an and not an or. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So how do you push for relationships first and measure it second or depending upon what, what phase of a business you're in, it, it could be an and in parallel too. the, the, the question that I'd ask is how do we, how do we create and reward more relationships mm-hmm. to be built regardless of outcome? Because the outcome, the metric, the conversion, the sale is, is the ultimate metric that, that most every CEO out there is going to care about. Sure. Maybe even CMO and, and sales person too. So my favorite metric is actually engagement, not likes or reshares or retweets or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but engagement. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to take that word engagement and just apply it across the board, engagement of relationships, engagement of social media, engagement of email replies and responses, engagement of submissions, engagement, engagement, engagement. Mm-hmm. If you were to take engagement and prioritize that as your number one metric, then I think that would help solve or at least move, move the needle. So it's still a metric, but it's an important enough metric to live up at the top. Well, I certainly agree with that because engagement's always been something that, you know, has been a driving force in actually getting, we're actually getting somebody to care about what we're doing. 
But it's not always so easy to measure that and relate it to sales because often, you know, the engagement is going to happen how many times before we actually get them to buy something. And yeah. whether it's a referral or that person that we've been engaging with, um, that's really a challenge as well. Yeah. You know, we're so focused right now on, um, and I see where you're coming from with, with, uh, with metrics that um, we're, we're also, we're also not paying attention to the fact that people aren't communicating with each other to create these situations, to create faster sales. And I mean, teams of people or um, how people relate to each other is, is potentially slowing business down. You know, what's ironic about all this is it's not new. I'm not saying anything here that, that I think is new to team development, interpersonal skills, understanding how people work, listening more, the golden rule. I mean, all of this is not new. And I guess the point of this is stop looking at marketing and saying, why isn't marketing coming through? And say, how can I just make a difference and serve one person today and serve two people today and serve three people today? Internal team, external team, new customer, client, biz dev, how can I serve someone else with all of those things in mind? I think that would make a huge difference. So if the emphasis from the CEO or anywhere is, or just in ourselves, the CEO of ourselves is saying, how can I serve better? You're, you're going to do well. Mm -hmm. The metrics will prove itself. I guarantee it. And if you have a company of five people to 500,000 people and every single person or a majority of them is serving others and that's the entire mandate, how do we serve others better? Oh my God, can you imagine? Mm, powerful. Yeah. And a combination of service and also gratitude, you know, gratitude towards the customer and compassion towards the customer. That's a really huge one for me is that, you know, if we don't really want to solve their problem, if we're like, hey, buy my widget, that's very different than this widget's going to fix ever, all of your problems. And that's very different than what exactly is your problem? Oh, I think I can help with that. Very right. different approaches. You know, I did something different along those lines. I was told just to get on for coaching calls and then tell them how I could help them and, you know, in the very beginning and then see if it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, this is, so basically sell them mm -hmm. is, is what you're, no, I, I don't think so. That's, that's, how are you going to know how to serve them? Mm -hmm. And so I started offering 90 minute free coaching calls with no sales. Mm -hmm. I just coached them and we see where we end up Yeah, and that's it. And it's just in the pure acknowledgement of knowing that all I'm doing is just serving you for 90 minutes and that's it. Mm -hmm. And ironically, and I, I had a feeling that this might happen. It, it filled my whole roster or client base. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I walked away feeling better about myself for, for helping someone and knowing I could. And they walked away knowing, wow, he could really help me. Okay. Yeah. Big, huge and difference. we, it made a huge difference. Mm. Whoever's listening to this, think about that. The amount of time that we invest in the other person and serving them. And like you just said, which made me think of this, which is having compassion for them, have compassion for them and really dedicate the time. Mm-hmm. And it would, uh, it, I think, I think it would go miles. Yeah, it's very, it's huge. And, you know, I have to say, I had a discovery call from a salesperson today who was trying to get me to, basically, he wanted to coach me. And I could literally hear him turning the pages of his, you know, sheet with, okay, yes, this question first, yes, that question first. And I already knew those questions. And I was like, you know, this is never going to work. There's no humanity here at all. There's no connection. You're not interested in what I need. You're interested in filling all your slots so that you can fill out a form and then tell me what the answer is. And that's just dumb. But it is something that, um, you know, I've been in the coaching industry for a little while now, and I see this technique taught a lot. Um, and it's really still the same old, old school marketing yeah. that we were complaining about 10 years ago. Um, yeah. You know, Mad Men is still not the right way to do it. It just right. Doesn't. Yeah, I really think everything's cyclical. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all coming back to this place that I've, and, and I'm, I, I really honestly did not see this coming. I really thought that we we're going into a much more, uh, I thought the motivation was moving us in the direction of automation and technology. Mm-hmm. I did not think that that actually those things would force us to be more human. And, and I'm so excited that it, it has. <laughs> it says a lot about humanity, doesn't it really? It, it totally does. Mm. It really does. And it's going to force us to continue to really sharpen our skill sets around around that and everything that that you just said about that salesperson saying how they approach things because that's a skill set to be able to talk with another human and and meet them where they are yes and help them where with their problem Mm -hmm. and serve them which is what we've been talking about and then if you have a solution to those challenges it makes sense Um, so yeah, that's, that's a really, that's not something that everybody's really good at and it can be, it can be. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure that everyone can learn that skill and that's a very challenging skill. And partly because so many of us have been taught these kind of rote systems, these systematic approaches to sales, to marketing, to leadership and it's not really cut it anymore. And people up the last few years have said, oh, it's the millennials. They just won't, won't take that. Well, okay, I'm 60 years old and I ain't going to take it either. So <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not a millennial issue. It's humanity is evolving a little bit again, in my opinion. <laughs> you said evolving or devolving? I'm pausing, evolving. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I heard that word right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I do agree that we are, we are for sure. Problems are still the same and there's a, there's a challenge living beside something. So where we used to have door to door salespeople and uh, delivery people, we now have technology and humans living together, coexisting. Mm-hmm. And so what's the perfect mix is what we're looking for. How do we, how do we exist with? And I'm not sure anybody's that really, really figured that out. Even if they say they do, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to see it. Uh, I know, I know that there's, there's, there's times that you come close and then someone says here, hold my beer. And then, you know, the entire thing is you have to redo it again because mm-hmm. it everything runs its course. So two years, uh, Facebook won't be the way that we're, we see Facebook today. They announced that, that, you know, potentially the streams would go away the way they are. And it'll be a private secure network, which would be human to human, <laughs> private messaging between one person and another. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you mean like text messaging? <laughs> <laughs> We've had that for years. Right. Uh, disappearing content because it's more secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, a photography network called Instagram that gets people to engage with likes and with um, their interests more than their um, bragging platform. So, uh, so yeah, it's forcing us to be more human. I'm so elated. Yeah, I think so too. And it, it does mean that it's going to change the way that a lot of people do business, but um, I think it's going to be good for it. Thank you for this time, Brian. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm really very interested in seeing your new directions and where you're going. And I'm so happy to see that you're happy. Thank you so much. And I know the same thing for you. Yay. We've, uh, we've, we have evolved as well, haven't we? Apparently so. We'll see how it lasts. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But to, we're, we're good today. That's, that's what counts. Well, thank you. And why don't you let people know where they can find you and uh, learn a little bit more about what you're up to? Super, super simple. I made it easy. If you go to anywhere uh, that is briankramer.com or at Brian Kramer, uh, Brian with a Y and Kramer with a K, mm-hmm. then uh, you can find me. And what kind of person would I be if I didn't reply back being a person who actually claims engagement is should be the number one thing. So I dare anybody to send me something. Oh, please take that dare. It's always fun having a chat with Brian anyway. So go for it. <laughs> I'm going to put all of your links in the blog post. So they're going to cool. find you. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Yes, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.